for Radio 1 91FM podcast. You're tuned in to the R1 News, your stop for news and current affairs on the airwaves, 11 to 12 weekdays here on Radio 1 91FM, te reo irirangi kōtahi. Tēnā koutou i tēnei ata, kei te whakarunga mai koe ki te reo irirangi kōtahi. Ko Zach Toku Ingoa. Ko Kaya Aho. And you're listening to the R1 News for Rapa Te Te Kauma Fitu o Here Turi Koka, Wednesday the 17th of August. On the show today, we'll be checking out this week's snow report with USK's Peter Barclay before discussing the mass pest eradication scheme planned for Rakiora and how it corresponds to Pākehā Titiriti responsibilities with Project Director Campbell Leakey. After that, I'll be speaking with Kākāpō Ranger Theo Thompson about the latest Kākāpō breeding season and the long-term issues facing Kākāpō recovery. After that, I speak to Albany Senior High School Principal Claire Amos about Aotearoa's transition from the decile system to the equity index and what this means for schools. Lastly, but not leastly, we have an astrology report for you Scorpios and Sagittariuses. It's currently 11.04 here on the R1 News, and you're listening to the R1 News on Radio 1, Te Reo Irarangi Kōtahi. Coming up, Eileen has the headlines and weather, but first, here's Riot by Childish Gambino. Kia ora koutou, you're listening to the R1 News here on Radio 1, Te Reo Erangi Kotahi. It is currently 11.06 and now we have the headlines and weather updates. The R1 News Headlines. Tēnā koutou, ko Eileen Aho. A leaked review into Pentecostal megachurch Arise has revealed allegations of bullying, homophobia, racism, sexual assault and the active discouragement of police involvement. RNZ received the leaked internal review on August 12th. 
conducted by Pathfinding. The report included 545 submissions alleging sexual harassment occurring within the church and being actively ignored by its leadership. Racism and ageism expressed both implicitly and explicitly, and a lack of financial transparency, amongst other issues. Earlier in the year, US-based New Zealand journalist David Farrier published an explosive expose into a rise church after former members reported similar experiences. The investigation resulted in Arise conducting the internal review, with founding pastor John Cameron, his wife Gilliam, and brother Brent formally resigning from the church's leadership. Seven western states in the US have been severely affected by what is being called a mega-drought. Officials declared a Tier 2 shortage to the Colorado River and said these states need to use 15% less water by the next year or risk imposed water cuts. It comes as many parts of the Northern Hemisphere experience record heat, with wildfires causing mass evacuations across Europe, attributed by scientists to the climate crisis. Weather warnings are ahead. Met Service issued red weather warnings for the West Coast yesterday. Flooding and winds up to 120 kilometres per hour are expected, and orange rain warnings are issued for the Western Tasman District, Marlborough Sounds, the Richmond and Bryant Ranges, Rye Valley, and the Nelson region. Caution is advised for those with plans for travelling through and or visiting these areas. And those were the headlines on R1 News. Now, kete pehea te ahua o te rangi. How's the weather? The R1 News weather. Today, Otipoti can expect a cloudy day with possible fog tonight. Tomorrow, cloudy periods, a few morning showers and light winds. The high today, Rapare, is 15 with a low of 9, and Ramere, Thursday, will have a high of 14 and a low of 8. That was the R1 News headlines. Catch up at r1.co.nz forward slash news or find us at Radio 191 FM on Twitter or R1 News NZ on Instagram and tune in to R1 News at 11am on weekdays. Kia ora, Eileen, for those fantastic news and weather updates. It is currently 11.09 here on the R1 News on Radio 1 Te Reo Irirangi Kotahi. Coming up next on the programme, we have the Usk Snow Report. But firstly, here's Beyonce with Single Ladies. You're listening to Radio 1. Yeah. Okay. 
You're listening to Radio 1 Tereo Irirangi Kotahi. This is the Rapa R1 News with Zach and Kaya. Later in the hour, I am discussing the mass pest eradication scheme to plan for Rakiora and how it corresponds to Pakiha Titiriti obligations with Project Director Campbell Leckie. But first, we have USK's Peter Barclay in the station for your mountain update, the USK Weekly Snow Report. Morena Peter, how are we looking for the week ahead? Yeah, unfortunately I'm the bearer of bad news this week for all you snow lovers. It's actually going to be pretty terrible. It has been about 10 days since our last significant snowfall, and I was up over the window over the weekend, sorry, and you can kind of feel it. I was at Cadrona, and it was feeling pretty skied off, to be honest. There's patches of ice, and it is a bit of mahi to find the good snow. That being said, the groomers were skiing pretty well, and the team up at most of the resorts are doing an incredible job with snowmaking and making all the groomed runs really nice. Although that's the case, it's going to get worse. There is rain forecasted for most of the rest of the week, and because it's going to get really warm up the top of the mountains, because we've got a system coming in from the north, it will be falling as snow. Sorry, it'll be falling as rain and not snow. This is going to wash away a lot of the snow that is still here, and it'll harden up when the temperatures do drop again, creating a really thick sheet of hard-packed ice, making any attempt at skiing this week pretty woeful. Luckily, it won't last for long. There's a system coming in from the south, which is going to come in no earlier than Sunday, which, crossing all of our fingers and toes, should bring about 10 centimeters of fresh snow on top of the icy stuff, which is going to be put there this week. Unfortunately, the freezing level is going to be well over 2,000 meters this week, so none of the resorts are going to be able to avoid the rain and the warm temperatures. This is combined with a high cloud coating the entire South Island, so the visibility will be really terrible. Sorry to to say, but there just will not be any good skiing this week. It's difficult to complain, though. This is probably our first bad week of the season, and hopefully it only lasts until Sunday, and then we'll get a nice top-up then. I'm sure the skiing over the mid-sem will be amazing, because next week we've got a few snow showers coming in throughout the week, but I'll be able to tell more by then. Thanks, Tans. Ngamihi, Peter. That was the snow report, checking out the slopes for the week ahead with Usk's Peter Barclay. The time is 11.15. You're listening to the Rapo R1 News. And here is Pavement with Shady Lane. We had oysters and dry lancers and the check when it arrived. We went Dutch, 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 a redder shade of neck on a wider shade of trash and this emery.
Kia ora koutou, you're listening to the Rapa R1 News Programme here on Radio 1. Te reo Erangi Kotaki, it is currently 11.19. That was pavement with Shady Lane, and just before on delivering a snow report, and it seemed a little bit bleak for all the snow lovers out there, doesn't it? A little bit. A little bit. Now, you've got a, 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 a pre-record to, to show. What's it all about, Kaya? In early July, a $2.8 million research partnership was signed by Manaki Whenua, Land Care Research, and predator-free Rakiora. The agreement signifies the initiation of a project which will run for four years, with the ultimate goal of eradicating all Rakiora's major predators, possums, rats, hedgehogs and feral cats. This project is globally groundbreaking for a number of reasons. It is the most complex and large to be attempted on any island, and a world's first attempt to rid an inhabited island of predators. At the time the project was announced, Manaki Whenua Landcare Research Wildlife Management and Conservation Ecology Portfolio Leader Chris Jones explained that what differentiated Rakiora from past island eradication schemes was both its size, around 180,000 hectares, and its diverse community of around 400 to 450 residents. Jones said one of the most exciting things about this partnership is that the knowledge gaps that research will f- aim to fill will be identified collaboratively through our researchers alongside the predator-free Rakiora project leaders and community. Earlier this week, I spoke to Campbell Lecky, predator-free Rakiora project director, about how plans have developed for the eradication scheme and how all of this corresponds with Pākehā Titiriti responsibilities and obligations. Kia ora, Campbell. How are you going? Good. Good, thanks, Kai. Yeah. This is both a well-funded and complex pest eradication scheme, one that has been tagged by stuff as the world's biggest island predator eradication. Is this project comparable to anything else which has been undertaken in Aotearoa or even globally? Yeah, so look, if you look at the... largest eradications of rats uh, ever done globally, and that was 380,000 hectares. Um, now, what makes Rakiora different, though, is that the Georgia Islands didn't have uh, a community there. Uh, Rakiora's got quite a decent-sized community of people there, uh, and that adds a, a very different context to uh, how you undertake the predator work itself. Uh, and so that's what makes uh, Rakiora effectively globally unique, when it's successful, it'll be the largest ever done in terms of having a community there. What are the specific aims and goals of this project? Are you gunning to eradicate all predators over a small window of time, or is this a more generational weaning out sort of project? So that's a really good question. The short answer is the target species for predators at the moment is possums, feral cats, all three species of rats, because all three species are on Arakiora itself, uh, and hedgehogs. Now, the question about uh, sort of the timeline or how do you get there with that, we really need to work through that in a whole lot more detail. Um, give you a quick example. Um, if you took out just one of those predator species, like say say you took out um, the, the rat species, for example, uh, well, what would happen to the uh, diets of the feral cats? Would they suddenly transfer uh, a whole lot over onto eating other things like birds because their main uh, feed source, rats, it was gone? So there's a lot of stuff we need to work through around um, the predator species that we've got as targets the order in which we tackle them or try and get rid of them, uh, and that will come down to the timeline and the techniques that we use. 
The project has been described as a research partnership agreement between Manaki Whenua, Land Research, and Predator Free Rakiora. What does this mean, and how will this funded research move towards a total pest eradication on Rakiora? So I think the key thing here is that uh, the project is of a scale uh, and a complexity that hasn't been tackled before globally. Now, what that means in a simpler sense is business as usual is not going to get you the solution you need. Uh, so you've actually got to think and you've got to do things differently. So in terms of that, there's lots of stuff we don't know. You know, there's lots of stuff around uh, the, the uh, abundance of certain of the predators, where they are, how they interact with each other, um, all those sorts of things. So the research investment with Manaki Whenua is a really critical investment to understand a lot of stuff that we don't know. And Manaki Whenua is a great partner because actually they have a huge amount of expertise across biosecurity, biodiversity and land science. So the investment's there to try and understand a bunch of stuff that, frankly, we don't know right now. Why is this pest eradication scheme being focused on Lucky Older as opposed to a national predator reduction scheme? So I guess a couple of things there. Firstly, if you look across New Zealand, uh, there are a large number of predator-free projects on the go, uh, and that's accelerated hugely in the last uh, five or six years with the establishing of PF 2050 Limited. So, so firstly, we're not alone in that regard. And so there's lots of projects out there targeting predators at different scales. Uh, the difference is with Arakiura, uh, it's, a, it's an island, so it's not on the mainland, and that gives it some advantages in terms of being able to protect your investment once you succeed. Uh, and it's also, uh, again, coming back to its scale, it's different in terms of its scale. But we're not alone in being a predator-free project by any means. Can you talk at all about how ensuring native species thrive on Rakiota promotes supporting cultures and even alignment with the Treaty of Waitangi? Yes, look, one of the really critical parts of this uh, for us, Kaya, is our partnership with Naitahu. Uh, and so that's why they are woven in right through the government structure and through the, the project structure itself. So there's a lot of, lot of opportunities that come out of this um, from a cultural perspective. And we are, as a project team, working with Naitahu to define those and make sure that we can give effect to those. I'll give you some quick examples. Uh, firstly, um, you could see uh, different sorts of species, uh, rongoa species, become much more available. And so they're able to be harvested at a different level or in a different way than um, is in the past because they either weren't there or they're in such low numbers. Uh, there is definitely opportunities around mahinga kai uh, and cultural things like that. So um, you will see uh, whole new uh, flocks of birds that weren't there uh, in numbers before, and that opens up a completely different opportunity around uh, all sorts of things, around mahinga kai, but weaving and those sorts of things. But then alongside that, there's also other opportunities. There's opportunities around connecting people back to the Raki Ora. But uh, Raki Ora, that, like my, co the, my co-chair of the Te Poka Raki Ora Trust, Dean Fonga, he basically, he frames it like this. At the moment, the island's in a state of poetry or sadness in terms of its um, its modi. And so it, it actually gets, if it gets these species back and it's a whole lot more healthy, um, it will be in a different state. And so that allows people to connect back to it in a different state as well, which is really important. Uh, and then there's just the things that happen on a project of this scale around opportunities, which are around uh, jobs, 
um, you know, scholarships, uh, you know, learning, being involved in a cutting-edge global project, all those sorts of things. So lots of opportunities. What's your next move on this project in terms of some of these opportunities and how people might be able to access them? Yeah, so it's really interesting to me because I've come into the project director job. I've been here five, five or six months now. Uh, and the project vision has been around for at least a couple of decades. Um, and so really, uh, though, what the difference is now is crystallising it from a vision uh, down to how do we actually make this happen? What's the pathway to get there? Uh, and so that means that's a really critical conversation with a whole bunch of people, individuals, groups and organisations about well, what does that mean for them? Uh, what do they see as the opportunities? What are their concerns about that? And when you get to the reality of the journey. So that's, I think, um, a really critical focus for us as a team is connecting people in because fundamentally it's about people, success. The second one is funding. Uh, this is a big project. Uh, it's challenging the boundaries of what's possible around biodiversity conservation and predator control. Uh, and that requires a significant uh, amount of funding over a period of time. So we're doing a lot of work with different partners around that, and you'll have seen a good example of that with the Menaki Whenua investment around research coming out recently. Ngami here, Campbell. Thank you so much for talking to me. Hey, Kaya, really appreciate the opportunity. You have a great day. That was Radio 1's very own Kaya Kahurangi Jameson speaking with Predator Free Rakiura Project Director Campbell Leckie about the new project to eradicate pests en masse in Rakiura. Coming up in the program, we have an interview with <coughs> Kakapo Ranger Theo Thompson from the Kakapo Recovery Program to talk about the new Kakapo population numbers, the long term recovery problems, and the new population in general. But first, here's Sam Charlesworth with Look Mum, I'm on TV, featuring Girl. It is 11.29 here on Our News. Take care.
Ora, you're listening to the Rapa R1 News. The time is 11.33. You just heard Look Mum, I'm on TV from Sam Charlesworth. Earlier on the show, we talked to Usk's Peter Barclay about the snow report for the week ahead and Campbell Leckie, predator-free Rakiaura project director, about plans for a pest eradication scheme for Stewart Island that will be a first of its kind. Aotearoa's much-loved much-loved portly parrot, the kakapo, has faced a significant threat of extinction for the past 70 years due to habitat loss, predation from invasive pests like cats, stoats and rats, and human activity. But today, it seems that there is some good news. The most recent breeding season has officially wrapped up, and the kakapo population numbers are the highest they've been in 50 years, with now 252 living individuals. It's all thanks to a team of scientists, rangers and volunteers who compose the Kakapo Recovery Program. We are now joined by Kakapo Ranger Theo Thompson to talk about the latest breeding season, what the new numbers mean for the overall population and what challenges Kakapo face in the long term. Kia ora, Theo. How's it going? Kia ora. Kia ora, Zach. Now, I believe you're, you're, you're coming to us live from a, predator, a, a predator-free island, correct? Yeah, that's right. I'm, I'm on the beach on Whenua Ho. Um, which is a small predator-free island off the coast of Rakiura, and it's um, it's long been a stronghold for kakapo down here. Oh, very awesome, very awesome. Now, the most recent kakapo breeding season has just ended, and the kakapo population uh, has gone from 197 to 252 birds, an increase of almost, what, 25%. Uh, how significant is the spike in population numbers? Yeah, it's it's huge. Um, it's huge, and it's been a really successful breeding season that I think the team and everybody that's involved in or that has been involved in it they're all we're all very proud of the effort um, it's the second biggest breeding season on record the previous um, the previous biggest was the last one in 2019 um, in 2019 we we 
we double clutched a lot of the kakapo, so we sent them back to nest for a second time, and that really boosted the numbers up. Um, this season, we didn't do that um, due to COVID and, and kind of and staffing, but even still, we had a very, very successful season and really good numbers. Um, I think we're on 55 chicks, which is huge. Yeah. That's amazing. So what made this breeding season different to other breeding seasons where you might not have been so successful? Um, I think it's it's a, it's a combination of factors. Kakapo, um, as many of your listeners will know, breeds in response to the rimu mast and other masting species. So if the trees are having a really big mast year, then you have high success rates because you have lots of food for the mums to feed on and it triggers more of the females to breed. So that's one factor. And then probably another factor is, you know, the more... The, the more breeding successful breeding seasons we have, the more adult females we have coming online. So um, we had a few, well, quite a few females this year that were first-time mums. Um, they, they they hatched in 2014 or 2016, and this is their first time breeding. So just the number of adult females really brings that up. Um, and then a third factor is we had quite good fertility. Um, so for one reason or another, we're still getting to understand it, but kakapo do not, um, they have a lot of kind of unviable eggs, um, whether that's truly that they're infertile or whether they die really young, we're not entirely sure, um, but this season we had really, really good survivorship, so we had really good egg survivorship, um, and then we had really good chick survivorship as well. Oh, kapai, kapai. Now, kakapo only mate uh, once every two to five years, which must slow down the breeding program. Um, how can you tell when a breeding season is about to take place, and what do you do to prepare for it? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it does slow things down. <laughs> it does, um, and it's one of the tricky parts of managing kakapo. I guess, um, so that comes back to what I said just before, is that they, they are breeding in response to resources, which is often rimu trees, and traditionally it would have been a lot of other masting species. So they they queue into the trees, and they can see that the trees are about to have a big year, um, and that's that's what they kind of queue into and what triggers them. So we do the same. We look at the trees. So every couple of, um, or about twice a year, we, we go and we, we, we have a look at the trees, and we count how much um, how much fruit is on the tree. And over the years, we've built up a bit of a picture that, when we're seeing a certain kind of threshold of fruit on the trees, we can expect the breeding season. Um, and it even gets more kind of <laughs> complex than that in that we start predicting how many of the females we think will breed, given how much fruit are on the trees. So this previous breeding season was kind of off the charts with the amount of fruit that we were seeing on the trees. It was probably possibly the highest we've seen in, in the 20, 30 years that we've been monitoring. And previously, the 2019 breeding season was also really, really high. Um, what we do to prepare for it, it's quite a long, um, quite a long lead-in time. We get about a year's notice um, of there being a breeding season. So the team, the team does a lot to prepare. They um, they hire new staff, train new staff get all the staff out onto the islands. We get a lot of the, we feed a lot of the kakapo, just a little bit of supplementary food to make sure they're in primo condition for the breeding season. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, you know, it's a huge logistical effort um, preparing for the season.
A bit, a bit. Now, what are the new Kakapo numbers looking like in terms of, um, you know, male, female? Um, they, they're, they're good. Yep, they're, they're really good. I guess, yeah, I guess it's, the most important thing for the Kakapo population at the moment is those, is those mature adult females. So, well, one of the most important things, there are many, many factors, but um, because of the way Kakapo breed with the lick, the licking system, one one male kakapo can be the father of many nests. So, um, in that sense, it, having more adult females really gives the population the capacity to grow and grow fast. Um, so, more females, more chicks. Whereas the males, you you need mature males, but you don't need nearly as many of them. Right. Um, what would some of the dominant threats be to kakapo numbers at the moment? Yeah. So at the moment. All, all of the kakapo, all of the individual kakapo are on, um, well, sanctuary islands, predator-free islands, where they're totally safe from um, mammalian predators like rats, stoats, and cats. Um, and they don't have to compete with some of the other introduced browsers like possums or, or deer for their food sources. Um, so pretty much no, no real threats there on those predator-free islands, which sounds pretty good. No, no, that's right. Not currently, yeah. No. And that, and that's just a product of them being at such low numbers as they have been for the last 20 years and just really, really protecting them with everything, all the resources that we've got, yeah. Oh, kapai. But one problem with the small population size is that you've got to be awfully careful about which parrots you pair to, I guess, maximise the genetic availability of, you know, these parrots. There's only about 250 of them around. Uh, h- how do you... What what does the process of mate selection look like to ensure uh, you know strong gen- genetic diversity? Yeah, yeah, for sure. Well, we don't get a lot of say in it um, because kakapo don't pair up like we expect a lot of birds to do. Mm-hmm. Um, the females will choose the males that they want to mate with on any given breeding season. Sometimes that's the same male as breed- previous ones. Sometimes it's a different one. Um, so there's a there's a couple of tools that we really use. Um, the biggest one is that we tailor which individuals in the kakapo population are on which islands. So we may separate fathers and daughters from different islands so that so that they would never breed together. Or if we have one kakapo that has had lots of offspring with um, these females over here, we would move him to another island where he can't. Um, where he will mate with, with some other females and therefore, you know, create a much more diverse um, population. Right, right. I guess that makes a lot of sense. You don't want, um, yeah, yeah, F- familial kakapo breeding. That is a big problem there. Um, I read that the end goal, or one of the end goals of the kakapo recovery program is to, you know, establish around 150 uh, adult females. Do you have a time frame on when this will be, you know, accomplished or when that can be reached? <laughs> no. No, no. <laughs> that's yeah. That's a tricky question. That's a really tricky question. I mean we've we've had we've had three we've had three really successful breeding seasons in a row now over the space of you know, that takes nearly ten years. And we have with the Kakapo population, like you said earlier, is at an all time well not an all time high but a you know, a recent high and that's really, really good. Obviously now we've got to see that these chicks from this year mature and become adults. Um, and things like that, and then another couple of breeding seasons' time, we might, you know, we might be looking, we might be looking at those kind of numbers. Um, 
I think the goalposts will shift a little bit, you know, as well. It depends what um, we all as New Zealanders want from our native species. Um, but a really, a really, a, a goal that the Kakapo team are really looking forward to seeing in the future is um, predatory rakiura and the potential for putting Kakapo back on the rakiura where most of our individuals came from. That sounds like a fantastic goal. Awesome. Thank you so much for coming on, Theo. Not a problem. Hey, see you later. See you later. That was Theo Thompson, a Kakapo Ranger from the Kakapo Recovery Program, speaking on the recent Kakapo breeding season and how successful it is. Up next on the on the Rapa R1 News Program, we have an astrology report. We'll go into all your Scorpios and Sagittarius's out there. Before that, though, we've got Nat King Cole and George Shearing with Pick Yourself Up. It's currently 11.43 on the program. Puritia Kia Raka. yourself up Take a deep breath Dust yourself off and start all over again Nothing's impossible I have found For when my chin is on the ground I pick myself up Dust myself off and start all over again Don't lose your confidence If you slip Be grateful for a pleasant trip And pick yourself up Dust yourself off And start all over again Work like a soul inspired Till the battle of the day is won you may be sick and tired, but you'll be a man, my son. Or will you remember the famous men who had to fall to rise again? So take a deep breath. Pick yourself up. Dust yourself off. Start all over again Till the battle of the day is won You may be sick and tired But you'll be a man, my son Will you remember the famous men Who had to fall to rise again So take a deep breath Pick yourself up Dust yourself off and start all over again. 
Kia ora koutou katoa. You're listening to the R1 News Programme here on Radio 1. Te reo erirangi kotahi. That was Nat King Cole and George Shearing with Pick Yourself Up. And you know what time it is, uh, Kaya? Uh, I heard it's time for the Astrology Report. I think it might be time for the Astrology Report too, so let's get into that. Not clear. Radio 1 Astrology Oh, we got it. Here we go. <laughs> no mai haere mai, and welcome to the controversial Radio 1 Te Reo Irangi Kotahi Astrology Report, a weekly, seg- a weekly segment where we, the coastal elite, offer brand spanking new cosmological edicts for you to sink your canines into. Let's go! Let's go! Up first, the bug-eyed Scorpio. Unfortunately, today is not your day, Scorpio. What with the issues in your professional and romantic life? As the lusty Taurus moon enters a brutalizing square with masochistic Venus, you may start to feel like your boundaries aren't being respected. If you do anything today, Taurus, reject the temptation to close off emotionally and instead be vulnerable with the people around you. Thankfully... A peaceful energy will come knocking around later in the Arvo, giving you a break from all this unnecessary self-doubt. Instead of rocking up to pint night and watching some fun student bands, be sure to unplug and dedicate your eve to self-care. Although a date night with that someone special could also be a safe hoon. If you want my advice, take that cutie you're fond of on a little stroll through the middle of town, dance under the quaint lights of the octagon, go see a film for the film fest, and grab a cheeky drink. Voila! Ah, oh, Deneen's just so romantic, isn't Such it? Such a romantic city. Not I love watching the, the seagulls. Lights. You Sagittarius. Sagittarii? Sagittarii. <laughs> you Sagittarii are feeling a similar existential aversion to your goals. As the goading Taurus moon hoons off with Venus, you'll start to get very impatient and frustrated about the state of your life. Be sure to avoid fa- falling for any get-rich-quick schemes. If any of your mates start asking you to join Andrew Tate's Hustlers University and choose the, the bag. Just go up into a ball, have a good cry, and drink some water after. You can reach your goals without following dreadful misogynistic internet personalities such as Tate. Meanwhile, an unbalanced aspect between the life-giving sun and dusty Neptune could chuck up some tricky emotions, especially if you've invested in someone who hasn't told you how they feel about you. It's time to throw caution to the wind and have a chat with them about how you feel, otherwise you'll be stuck in a romantic limbo. Get this off your chest and slay the evening away, Sag. That's the R1 Astrology Report for this week, folks. I hope you've enjoyed it. It's currently 11.49 on the program. And boy, do we have a great song up next. We have Eat what Your... What sorry? What do we have? What do we have? Oh, I just have a good song up next. Oh, yes. Oh, yes, yes. Okay. It is a... <laughs> you may recognize it from the Django Unchained soundtrack. It is Eat Your Delira. You listen to the R1 News. Take care, gang.
Kia ora koutou, you're listening to the R1 News for Rapa. Uh, <coughs> yep, for Wednesday. <coughs> um, <coughs> what have we done on the show today, Kaya? We, we had opened. quite a big show. We did. We did have. We had a decent show. We opened the show today with Usk's Peter Barclay's snow report for the weeks ahead. It's looking pretty dire, but we'll all be delighted to to know that Triple Cone's going to be open for an extra week at the end of the season, which is one of the great skiing mountains. Mm. Um, and then we learnt a little bit about the the new pest eradication scheme planned for Rakiora and how it corresponds to Pākehā Titiriti responsibilities. We talked to the project director for that, Campbell Lecky. Mm, that sounds fantastic. It was fantastic. We'll, we'll pre-record that. Kapai, Kaya. After that, we had a little interview with Kākāpō Ranger Theo Thompson from the Kākāpō Recovery Program about the latest breeding season and the increase in Kākāpō population numbers, what that means for the native Kākāpō population, and some of the issues that they face. Then we had a cheeky little astrology report where we covered overview Sagittarii and Scorpios. And that's been the show. Yeah, it's been a good one. It's been very, very breezy. Yeah. No, it's been a great show. Thank you for spending the hour with us. No, thank you. You've been tuned in to the R1 News. Weekdays from 11 to 12 here on Radio 1 91FM. Catch up at r1.co.nz forward slash news or find us at Radio 1 91FM on Twitter or R1 News NZ on Instagram. That was a Radio 1 91FM podcast. You can find more at r1.co.nz or wherever quality content is found.